Well, hello there, happy innovators. How have you guys been doing, huh? I mean, can you believe it's almost been a month since my last podcast? I I can't believe it, you know? Um, Sorry about that. But, you know, sometimes time just seems to get away from me, you know? Anyway, about three weeks ago, travel was required of me. And uh, it just seems like as soon as I got back from that trip, uh, whoa, you know, it's been nonstop for me, you know. Uh, Why, you ask? Well, you know, apart from the normal kind of busy that I am, you know, of course, winter has started. And oh, my gosh, like as soon as I got back from that trip, I took uh, the weather was just off the chain. It was crazy. Two feet of snow in two days, you know, so it was like up to my hips almost, you know, because sometimes when the wind blows, the snow drifts, you know, it gets deeper. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. And it's just been one thing after another ever since then. So, you know, the other day I looked at my calendar and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how long it's been since I put out a podcast. So here I am. Sorry about that. Um, got a couple of things that I want to talk about today. I know uh, it's, I guess it's kind of a technical thing, but I think it's kind of important for me to explain this to anybody who may care. Okay, um, if you are a fan of Pipe Choir, PC1, or PC3, you may notice, or you may have noticed, that uh, a lot of the albums that I've released over the past maybe five or six years that you would normally be able to find on 1RPM or iTunes or whatever, um, some of those had been taken down, okay? Uh, I've, I'm in the process right now of switching distribution. And um, why is that, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. And this is one of those things that just kind of chaps my ass, but... You know, I make music for people to use in their videos and whatnot, okay? You know, you can use any piece of music I've ever recorded in a video you have or, you know, whatever you need it for. No problem, you know? But depending on what distribution company you go through, you know, they have different ways of doing things, different algorithms, you know, for different distribution processes. And, um... You know, what happens from time to time, it's happened before uh, with my music, is like um, the distribution company won't really get the idea or like right into their algorithm this idea of a creative commons artist, you know, someone whose content, whose music is, you know, available for use for free. So I have people contacting me telling me that they're getting strikes on their videos and stuff because of my music. And, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with me. It's all the distribution companies or these, you know, these platforms you can release music on. And none of them really seem to have it all worked out yet. Okay. In the operative word being yet. But I really don't mind people using my music for anything. I mean, it's the reason I make this stuff and I make it available the way I do. But one thing I can't stand is when a company that I am using, you know, comes back at me and tells me that there's a copyright strike on me, (laughs) you know, for using my song. Okay. Now, you know, it's some kind of robot 
you know, it's not a person who's, you know, listening and, you know, using common sense and those type of things. You know, it's a, it's an algorithm. It's a robot, but it just pisses me off, you know, like just the idea that somebody would be getting in trouble for using one of my songs or something, you know, that is not tolerable to me. Okay. I just will not stand for it. So, you know, one RPM, you know, we went with them, uh, for a little while and, uh, just out of the blue, you know, they decided that they were going to start going after people, you know, with copyright strikes. And, you know, not only did I get some strikes, but some of my fans did too. And some of the people who've used my music and, you know, one of the great things about this situation I'm in is that I have the final say. I have complete and total control over my music. Nobody shares it with me. Okay. The ownership of my music is mine. It is me. Okay. And if I say no, it's a final no. And if I say yes, it means yes. Right. So, um, if you're one of those unfortunate people, you know, who, uh, you know, got a strike on your YouTube or something because you use one of my songs, don't worry about it. You're not in trouble. It's not your fault. I have it under control and I'm just in the process right now of switching things over to a better location. And, uh, you know, that might take a little bit of time because it's technical and, you know, while it may not be difficult to do, it does take time. So just be patient. Um, you know, if you really are hard up to listen to something I've made, you can go to my SoundCloud and you can download anything you want, listen to anything you want. But uh, for those of you, you know, who are looking to buy Christmas gifts and, you know, maybe Pipe Choir or PC1 or PC3 was on your list of things to buy for someone, I apologize. Uh, I suppose, uh, if anything, it's a testimony to the fact that, you know, I mean, technically, this is the worst time for me to be, you know, taking my music down or making it unavailable temporarily, um, you know, because it's the Christmas season. I mean, this is the the busiest time of the fiscal year, you know, but uh, I don't care about that. Like, I don't care about the money. I don't care about it. Okay, what I do care about is like people being able to use my music the way I want them to. Okay, that means more to me than dollar signs. Trust me. Okay, that's what this whole thing is about. All of it. Okay, is that it's my way or the highway. And if my fans are not able to listen to, access, uh, use my music, whatever it is, that is unacceptable to me. And I will drop whatever platform, whatever company, like a bad habit in order to maintain my standards, okay? That my content is free for everyone. If you want to buy it, you can. And I appreciate that. It's really cool. It makes me happy. But it's not necessary, you know? It's not necessary at all. I mean, if you're like me, you don't have any expendable cash. You don't have a lot of extra money to be spending on, you know, entertainment. So, you know, if you don't want to buy my albums, no hard feelings. I totally get it. I'm the same way, you know, I'm the same way. And if you 
want to know more about that, I'm sure if you comb through some of these older podcasts that I've made over the past year or two, you know, you can hear me talk about it a lot, you know, and, um, oh, it just made me so angry. Like when I got that email from one RPM, oh, there's a strike on your, you know, you're using copyrighted content. I'm like, I'm using copyrighted content. It's my content. It's me. You jackass. It's my song. Like, I'm the guy who wrote it. I own the copyright on the song, not you. You know? (laughs) Sorry, but it just really rubs my rhubarb, you know? So, anyway. Ugh. The weather, the snow, the holidays, you know, family, all that stuff. It's all coming around a couple days from now. I, I just cannot believe how fast 2019 went. You know, we're heading into the year 2020, which I predict is going to be a rather interesting year in many, many ways. And maybe I'll talk about that somewhere down the line, but I don't know. Anyway, you know, I mentioned to you that I had been traveling, right? And um, basically what happened was I had to travel back to Cleveland, my hometown, uh, because it was my mother's birthday and they were having a surprise birthday for my mother who was turning 80. And uh, my whole family was going to be there, you know, catered event and all that stuff. And I don't know if you remember back in the day when I did that podcast, uh, the last time I visited Cleveland, you know, I came back and I I did a podcast about it. And I got to say that, um, you know, I listened to it right before I left for Cleveland again. And uh, I was a little bit kind of like, I don't know. I don't disappointed is the wrong word. It would be more like what? I was more um, just like displeased with the overall context or the overall sentiment of that podcast, you know, because I was about to head back that way, you know, back to Cleveland and, you know, remembering all the events of the last time I had visited and uh, like, man, maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe I shouldn't go. But I went. My wife and I went, and it was really great. We had a great time visiting family and everything. You know, we spent a few days there. Had a great time. I ate at Nate's Deli again. I had a Mr. Hero Roman Burger again, which is always great. I love food. I love good food. And there's a lot of very good food when I go home. There's things I can only get there, you know. Can't get them anywhere else. You can only get them in Cleveland, you know. Um, but, uh, this time around, you know, my impressions, my overall impressions were really different. Um, and the visit was very different and all in all, at the end of all of it, when the dust settled and I came home and we were, you know, getting back into our groove, the overall kind of thought that I had was this, okay, I'm happy with the life that my wife and I have carved out for ourselves, you know? And, you know, basically, you know, when I got home, I was like, you know what? I don't really want to, like, leave here too much more. Like, I don't, I don't really want to do that anymore. I mean, I will. I'm not saying I'm not going to travel or anything, but I'm really happiest when I'm in my space. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, being in your space, like where, you know, 
you know where everything is and everything is kind of like organized a certain way or, you know, you have your schedule set up a certain way and, you know, it's the life that you've chosen. It's the, the things you want to do with your time and the way you want to spend your day and you become accustomed to it and you become used to it. And maybe like, you know, in my case, you know, over the past, what, 15 or 20 years, I've had a chance to kind of refine everything. You know, if I needed to buy a new thing to make this thing over here better, you know, I bought it. And you know what I mean? If I needed to throw some things away that I didn't need anymore, that too. And, you know, the things I like to drink, the things I like to watch on TV, the things I like to do in my studio, my instruments, of course, you know, which is another thing I'll talk about in a little bit. But, you know. That was that overall sentiment of like being happy with what you have, you know, and uh, I'm very happy with what I have. It's, you know, maybe not much compared to some or maybe it's a lot compared to some. I don't know. But that's, you know, unimportant. Right. What's important is like it's mine. Like this is the life I want. And you know how it is like when you travel, when you're sleeping like in a strange bed. You know, um, you know, there's even science behind this kind of thing, but it's like, you know, you don't really sleep really well, no matter how nice the hotel is, no matter how nice the bed is, you know, um, you know, it, it's not your bed, you know, and, uh, you know, according to scientists that study sleep, you know, when you sleep in a strange bed, there's a part of your brain, like part of your neurology that it keeps you in a state of vigilance. It's not, you know, overblown or something, but it's there. And that's part of the reason why when you travel, you don't really sleep very well. Because as humans, our brains are wired a certain way where when we're sleeping in an unfamiliar place, part of our brain stays awake. Isn't that strange? I mean, that could or could not be true. I don't know. I've heard that. You know, it's what they're kind of preaching these days uh, on the, uh, you know, medical journal circuit, you know. But uh, what an interesting thought, isn't it? I mean, did you ever notice that when you travel or when you're sleeping in a strange bed that you never really are able to sleep really well? Hmm? Part of the reason why is because part of your brain is staying awake, staying vigilant, you know, because it's an unfamiliar bed. It's an unfamiliar place. Pretty weird. Actually, it reminds me of this funny story this one time. My wife and I had traveled to Myrtle Beach um, down in the Carolinas. And uh, we, you know, got a hotel and everything. We flew in and, you know, we're on the ocean. We go to check into our hotel. And, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, we didn't really have a chance to do a walkthrough, you know, before we booked the room. But I could tell by the look on my wife's face... This particular hotel we were kind of going to shack up in, it wasn't really uh, jiving with her. You know, it wasn't up to her standards. And so we go up to our room, you know, we're checked in, we go up to our room, and she's just got this look on her face like, you know, somebody taped a turd under her nose. You know, she just is not happy with this room. And she's like, we're not staying here. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, come on, it's just, you know, Relax, you know, it's okay. We're cool. Let's just stay. It's nice. It's nice enough for us. 
And she said to me, you know, she looks at the bed and she says to me, if I pull the sheets back on this bed and there's a pubic hair on this bed, we're leaving. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> and she pulls the sheets back and sure enough, man, there's like this pile, you know, scattered pile of pubic hair. <laughs> this bed and uh we immediately you know grabbed our stuff turned around you know walked down the street to the nearest place and you know that's met our standards i guess and uh you know we camped out there for a week or two but i just thought that was funny <laughs> it's one of those things that uh you know <laughs> i'll never forget you know just that look on her face pretty funny it's pretty funny you know, it was also pretty funny, too, when we traveled to Las Vegas um, for the first time together. You know, we, we had booked a room at one of the hotels on the Strip. And uh, so we arrived at this hotel and we checked into our room. And, you know, we go up to the room with our luggage and everything. And it was so funny because it was like, I don't know, like the jungle room at Graceland, you know, it was decorated like so tacky and like, <laughs> you know, like something out of Scarface or, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> electric boogaloo, you know, it was like, <laughs> like a porno. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was a hotel room though. And my wife is just like, we are not, staying in this room you know this is ridiculous and it was ridiculous I mean we were laughing out loud at how outrageous the decor was in this hotel room and uh, call us snotty or whatever you want but it's like man there are standards and this was hilarious you know so we went down to the desk and they were able to give us a you know a little more kind of like you know moderately decorated room you know a little more contemporary you know, but it was just so funny. It was one of those things, you know, <laughs> just the look on her face, <laughs> the jungle room. Actually, to this day, you know, all I have to do is just mention it. We both just start laughing. It was just outrageous, you know, not quite our tastes uh, in decorum, not, not up to our standards, you know, but that's the point that I'm trying to make, see, is that. You know, when you travel, it's not it's not home, you know. I almost wish sometimes that I could take home with me, you know. And then, like, you know, visit my parents and then, you know, go back to my stuff, you know. Because that's really what home is, right? It's where you keep all your stuff, right? So, you know, this time around, coming back from Cleveland, the experience was much better. It was positive. I had a chance to kind of see a lot of relatives, um, that I hadn't seen um, some of them 20 or 25 years, you know. So it was just really kind of refreshing and fun to connect with some of those people from my childhood again. You know, aunts and uncles that I hadn't seen. And you know how it goes. You know, we all get older and everybody has families and stuff to do and places to go and, you know, grandbabies to kiss and all that kind of stuff. And we have a tendency to kind of separate a little bit, you know, it's a big world, everybody's out there living their life, but 
you know, like with Christmas or Thanksgiving or my mother's birthday, you know, once in a while, everybody kind of gets together again and they reconnect. And you want to know something, honestly and truly, there's really nothing like family. You know, there really isn't. It's, there's nothing like family. And there's nothing like it. And if you're one of those folks who doesn't have a family or whatever, especially this time of year, hey, my heart goes out to you because it's got to suck. All right? It's got to really suck. Fortunately for me, for my wife, you know, we still have some family around. And in my case, there's a lot of people. Okay? I mean, Irish Catholic family. There's millions of people (laughs) in my family. You know, at least it seems that way anyway. But, you know, like I said, coming back home... You know, coming back to my space, coming back to my equipment and, you know, all of it, all of it. My TV, my kitchen, my silverware, my the glass I like to drink out of, my black coffee mug, you know, all that stuff. It's like we have a tendency to do that, don't we? Over time, especially as we get older, like we know what we want. We know what we don't want. Right. Kind of like with record distribution. <laughs> I know what I want and I know what I don't want. And uh, I'm a pretty decisive personality when it comes to that kind of thing. So, anyway, you know, I mean, I'm a Taurus, right? I guess you probably don't know that, but my sign, my sign of the Zodiac is uh, Taurus. And I, I don't put too much stock in that kind of stuff, but, you know, it's fun, to, I guess, to uh, use it sometimes and... You know, as a Taurus, one of the things that's a characteristic or a trait of being a Taurus is that we're very uh, environmentally driven. You know, the environment matters a great deal. And, you know, I don't know if it's because I'm a Taurus or not, but I do know that it's very, very true for me. Okay, environment is everything. And, um, you know, when it comes to my likes and dislikes in my space and stuff I'm really particular about it and like low lighting and you know um, you know I liked I like I like things to be a certain way you know are you that way are you like that too like where things have to be set up a certain way in order for you to really kind of groove and really kind of jive and, and be happy right is it be truly happy and content in your space I mean, how often do you guys think about that kind of thing? You know, you, how often do you think about the space that you live in and, and how you've set it up for yourself? And, you know, it matters a lot, doesn't it? It's kind of a funny thing. You know, creature comfort is a funny thing, but it's important, right? It's an important thing to have uh, your arms around. And I think as we get older, it kind of becomes more refined and everything. And, you know, I'm almost 50 years old now. I'm 48. So, you know, I've had quite a bit of time to kind of, you know, navigate through all the things that I have and things I don't need and what I do need and all that. And, you know, one thing I do need more than anything else right now is a sip of my coffee. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and take one. Hang on. One more. I'm using my 
bee mug today, my special ceramic replacement mug that my wife had bought for me when I broke my other mug. You probably remember me talking about that. Anyway, so that's enough blathering for a little while, I guess. How long have I been talking about? Okay, almost 30 minutes. So, what do I have in store for you today? Um, You know what I'm going to do today? Is I'm going to... Oh, 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 oh. You know what? I wanted to talk about this really quick. Okay, this is something I wanted to talk about today. I almost forgot. I got a comment on my Guinness World Record song, the Guinness World Record holder that I have, the rise and fall of Bossa Nova. Um, uh, It's the current Guinness World Record holder for the longest officially released song in the world. It's 14 hours long, or a little under that. And, you know, I get all kinds of comments on there and stuff. And I got a comment um, just uh, either yesterday or today. And it was somebody kind of, you know, alluding to this idea that, you know, they thought this was a real song and then, oh, they didn't, you know, they shouldn't have thought that, you know, a band would sit down for, you know, 14 hours and play a song without having to go to the bathroom or get something to eat or drink or something. And uh, I guess to me anyway, kind of implying that, you know, this music was not created organically. And that's something that matters a lot to me. Okay, so I'm going to clarify this right here, right now, okay? I do not make sample-based music, okay? I do not take samples from other people and put them in my songs. When you listen to anything that I've made, anything that I've recorded and released to the public, uh, all of the instrumentation is performed organically, okay? I don't use MIDI, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not doing it that way. I'm literally sitting down with a guitar and playing the songs. Okay. I literally, you know, sit down and play a piano or a keyboard, or I literally, you know, sing into a microphone and all the sounds, the drums and everything they're recorded in my living room sometimes, you know, I mean, it's all done organically. So for the record, okay. Uh, just from, from this point forward, you know, if anybody has a question about that, well, I do make this music organically. And it matters to me that I do. You know, it's a standard that I've managed to, you know, thrive with, you know. I mean, I've done okay. And, uh, and to tell you the truth, I really don't even know how to record really with, you know, modern methods. I don't do it that way. Um, I won't get into all that because it's a way too technical, you know, discussion to get into in depth. But um, the way that I write and record music is very different than a lot of my contemporaries. You know, I'm, I'm really old fashioned the way I do things. I mean, I play to a click track and, uh, you know, for you engineers out there, you, you know, studio people that you know, musicians that record yourself at home or whatever, um, you know, you're using stems and, you know, software and all that kind of stuff. I'm not doing it that way. Believe it or not, I'm not. Um, I'm doing it the old fashioned way. I am. 
so, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, when I record a guitar part, okay, that I don't maybe take it and move it around to a different part of the song or edit it a certain way or whatever, but all of the music you hear, the drums, you know, the bass guitar, the guitars, piano, keyboards, vocals, sound effects, all that stuff, that's all made in-house. So don't let anybody tell you different. And uh, so there you go. You know, I try not to respond to comments like that. You know, I try not to. I try not to talk about them or feature them here on my podcast. But I figured I would just kind of mention it this time around. Because it's not the first time that uh, that kind of thing has been said. And I guess people kind of view it as some kind of like cheat like if you're using samples and you're using, you know, MIDI and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, hey, let me tell you, I may not have sat down and played, you know, 14 hours straight of guitar, okay? I mean, all that music was made at different times and it was assembled later, you know, I put it together later uh, into the form of the rise and fall of Bossa Nova, but every note... Every instrument you hear, everything you hear was done organically. And like I said, don't let anybody tell you different. So anyway, now what I want to do is I'm going to share with you um, a little bit of a podcast that I did a long time ago. Okay. Um, It was a little bit of creative writing that I did, like a short little kind of story that I wrote, a little piece I wrote a while back. I mean, it was a long time ago, but, you know, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, I've been doing a lot of shoveling of snow, you know, got buried in snow. And, um, you know, the weather is so cold and, you know, I'm kind of getting a little bit older. So the thinking for me really is like when I go outside, okay, is to like, get back inside as quickly as possible because it's freezing out there, you know, but when you're shoveling snow, like when I'm shoveling snow and I have to be out there, okay, it's kind of a good thing. As uncomfortable as it can be and as cold or whatever and as miserable as it can be, it's not entirely bad, okay? It's good to be forced to be outside sometimes, especially for me because I spend a lot of time inside. I spend a lot of time in my studio. So it's good for me to get out into the air, even though it's cold, even though I want to go inside where it's warm. It's good to be out there and, you know, smell the snow and the the dampness of the snow and the cold and the frozen dirt smell and the frozen trees. You know, they have a smell when they're frozen and Um, You know, the the fireplace and the smoke coming out of the chimney and that smell mixed with the snow and the cold, all that stuff, you know, it kind of takes me right back to the mood of this piece that I'm going to share with you now. I'm sure you'll probably understand after you listen to it, but after that, okay, I'll have a little bit more for you. So... Right now, kick back, relax, and just listen to a little bit of short kind of creative writing that I did, a little piece about my childhood. Uh, It's a true story. You know, it's based on truth, but it's also, you know, metaphor, you know, 
poetry. You know, it's got a little bit of mojo, you know. So check it out and stay tuned because I have some music for you after that. Okay. Oh, by the way, this piece that you're about to hear, I called it Ice Walk. Okay, so check it out. Glancing out my back door window, I could tell that the sky was gray and the air was crisp and cold. A slight sense of uneasiness filled my mind as I zipped up my coat and reached for my Cleveland Browns ski hat. Spinning the hat between my hands, I searched for the small white patch that had been sewn to its brim. Before I could locate the patch, however, I noticed that the little orange pom-pom that had rested on top of the hat was now barely attached. Sadly, after several winters of relentless wear and tear, the ball was now dangling by one small fraying piece of orange yarn. Disappointed with my hat, but anxious to get going, I ripped the orange pom-pom off the top of the hat and jammed it hastily into my right coat pocket. My mother, in the room adjacent to me, had noticed my somewhat covert attempt to slip out the back door undetected. With an obvious tone of suspicion in her voice, she reminded me not to be late for supper. Oh, okay, I mumbled as I quickly pulled my gloves over my hands and pulled the door shut behind me. Taking a few preliminary steps from the back door, I paused to make sure I had not forgotten anything. When I was convinced I had everything I needed, I walked through the red fence that surrounded the backyard of my house. I remember the snow crunching under my feet as I trudged my way toward the creek at the furthest edge of our property. The creek that bordered our property was a tributary of the Cuyahoga River. On average, It was only about one or two feet deep and approximately five to six feet wide, its length approximately 100 miles of sharp twists and turns that over time had cut a 10-foot V-shaped notch through the southern edge of my small suburban town. In the spring, summer, and fall, the creek was a popular hangout. My brothers and I would spend entire days playing near the water with various other kids from the neighborhood. But when winter came, however, the creek was transformed into an empty, frozen, and lifeless cavern. The creek bed would freeze, and the steep snow-covered banks made it extremely difficult to climb out once you had climbed in. So naturally, During the winter months, we usually avoided the creek area altogether. We would opt instead to stay occupied indoors. From time to time, we would play outside on our street, enjoying the occasional snowball fight or pickup game of football. Except for once or twice every winter, I, along with my brothers and various neighborhood friends, would walk the frozen creek bed as far as we could. 
It was a marathon of sorts that throughout my earlier years had become somewhat of a tradition. Typically, our expeditions would last from early morning until late evening, ending only when we were too cold or too tired to go any further. Earlier that winter, I had decided to embark on an expedition of my own. Even though I was very young, very small, and not particularly brave, I was, for some unknown reason, anxious to test myself. I still don't completely understand why. Looking back on it now, I believe it may have been an experiment of some kind, perhaps born of some inner desire to truly discover and exercise my own individuality, to fully experience personal autonomy, to see if I could, in fact, exist outside the bubble of comfortable familiarity. After a couple of weeks of mental preparation and the 500-yard trek across my yard, I found myself at the edge of the deep ravine. I paused for a moment, looking back at my now distant house. The soft glow of yellow light coming from its windows seemed remarkably warm against the dark and cloudy sky, its promise of warmth and security beckoning to me. Home. 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 Wrestling with self-doubt and determination, I paused briefly. I was, for reasons too complex to explain, saddened, the gravity of doubt whispering through my mind. Turning back is still an option, I thought to myself, as my eyes scanned the steep slope that tapered down to the snow-dusted ice below me. The moment of truth had arrived, and it was simply time for me to decide. I took one more brief look back at my house to make sure that the coast was clear, and shaking off my fear and doubt, I slid down the steep and snowy bank of the creek and landed gracefully on the thick ice. I picked myself up and brushed the powdery snow from my red nylon snow pants. Lifting my head and regaining my composure, I immediately noticed the sheer beauty of the undisturbed snow and ice that shrouded the V-shaped banks in a bright white stillness and desolate silence. The atmosphere was both haunting and fascinating to me. I laughed to myself with nervous exhilaration, and then I started to walk. Okay, so happy innovators. That was that little piece of creative writing that I did, a little short story called Ice Walk. I wrote that probably back in like 2010. I I don't even know when I wrote it, actually. I don't know. I don't remember. I've had it forever, though. And I liked it, you know. And uh, like I said, when I'm out there shoveling that snow, 
when I'm outside in the wintertime, it kind of just takes me back to that feeling, you know, that mood of that piece that I wrote. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a piece of music. It was one of my Honest Wave compositions back in the day, uh, a song called Dune Wander. And um, Dune Wander is like uh, one of those tracks that I made. For some reason, I don't really know why, um, I get a lot of questions about it, um, especially about the lyrics. People want to know what I'm singing about, what I'm saying. And, you know, you may or may not know this, but I'm not really into like, you know, sharing the meaning of songs and stuff like what I think the song is about, because I would rather have the listeners just kind of take it in and interpret it for themselves. But, um, you know, this song in particular, out of all the songs I have, I don't know why, but people ask me what I'm singing about. They want to know what I'm saying. Uh, this is one dude. Uh, he keeps asking me, um, you know, what I'm saying. And I have this radio voice or something in the background of the song. And, oh, what are those voices saying? And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying. I, I don't. It was written and recorded probably back in 2012 or something. And I don't know. I mean, it was a long time ago. I don't remember what I said. Um, so, and like I said, I don't really like to kind of like, you know, spill the beans on the meaning anyway. I kind of like people to try to figure it out. And uh, I like to do that myself when I listen to other people's music. So without any further ado... Uh, here's the PC3 song, Dune Wander, and I believe that it was on the Ad Astra 1 compact disc, which <laughs> may or may not be available right now um, on, uh, you know, for purchase, but it's all available. All of my music is available on SoundCloud for free download or Spotify if you want to use that. So anyway, here we go. Dune Wander by PC3. Check it out.
Okay, all you happy innovators, it's time for me to bust out of this popsicle stand and uh, go do some other things, but I apologize for the month off, I swear to you, that was not intended at all, it was not planned, and uh, I'm just so glad I was able to get in here today and record this for you. Um, You know, I guess this is probably my last podcast before Christmas, so... Uh, If you're still listening, if you're still there with me, Merry Christmas to you and your family and a Happy New Year. Be safe. Don't party too hard. You know, have some fun, though, because, you know, life is meant to be lived. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.